0: straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to the Science of Kabbalah with your hosts, Rabbi Yitzhak Michelson and William Hall here on Israel News Talk Radio.
1: Welcome, everyone, to the Science of Kabbalah on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. This is Rabbi Yitzchak.
2: This is William Hall. Welcome back.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> we were singing before we got on the air, so. Right. You, you know,
2: actually, us. just saying Welcome Back Alone reminds me of when I was about eight years old for my birthday present. I got from my aunt a board game
3: for mm-hmm.
2: Welcome Back, Cotter.
1: Yep. A welcome back, Cotter, board game. Wow, I didn't even know they yep. did that. I mean, I watched the show because that was sort of my era of TV, but uh, I guess they made board games out of everything.
2: I think so, too. And, of course, I think that was John, one of John Travolta's debuts. I'm not sure if it was his first. I don't know if it was his actual debut or what, but it, it was funny. Well,
1: I, don't I don't know. know. Some of, one of my friends just posted watching Saturday Night Fever the other day, and you know that was, I guess, one of the first big things that he did also in movie. Wow. Saturday Night Fever, board games. Well, I'm gonna date myself. My my big board game growing up was Candyland.
2: Interesting. I remember Candyland. <laughs> Do you That's, remember
1: that? And Operation. Yeah. Operation was fun too. Operation. But that was
2: that was that was fun.
1: That, that was not a board game. That was more like that was yeah. the highest tech
2: high tech before <laughs> that you could get. <laughs>
1: yeah, that, well, all of us wanted you know those qu- kind of like chemistry sets or mad scientist kits. Yep. You know, where you could do all kinds of experiments, you know, which was better than us trying to set fire to the furniture in the house, you know.
2: But they knew all the deep intricacies of all these science and stuff that some people don't. But that's kind of like the essence of the show, right? I mean, yes. science a couple of us, like people who don't know much about it or people who are fully experienced in it. You know, you can pick up these things that you you know, can't find anywhere else usually. So it's kind of nice.
1: Right. So talking about fire and setting fire to things, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that really as it relates to light, because we're on the second night of Hanukkah here in Israel, at least. We just finished lighting the candles just a little bit ago. so we're going to talk about the idea of light as it relates to Hanukkah, the idea of light as it relates to in a Kabbalistic context of this idea of bringing down the light. And what the responsibility and obligation of the Jewish people is to disseminate the light of Torah to the rest of the world, and, and whether or not that's something that we're supposed to do or not supposed to do. So, we're going to have to go to a short break here, but we're going to be right back here on the Science of Kabbalah and Israel, News So, stay with us.
3: How did a nice Jewish girl from Delaware end up living in Israel?
0: Welcome back to Science of Kabbalah with Rabbi Yitzhak Michelson and William Hall here on Israel News Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the Science of Kabbalah. So before the break, I was mentioning this idea of Hanukkah and the idea of light and bringing down light and talking about the Jewish responsibility and obligation as it relates to being a light to the nation's So I was looking at an interesting verse today as it relates to light when I was thinking about Hanukkah. And of course, it's one of those verses, William, that you're (laughs) fully aware of and probably talk about a lot on your own show on Tanakh Talk. It's uh, from Isaiah chapter 60, starting in verse one, when it says, Arise, shine, for your light has dawned. The presence of Hashem has shone upon you. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth. And thick clouds the peoples, but upon you, Hashem will shine, and his presence will be seen over you. And nations shall walk by your light, kings by your shining radiance. <laughs> You're not sure you've heard that one? Arise, shine, for your light has come?
2: Stuff we talk about, especially in like Madrasa stuff, I've been kind of exposed to. You, but, uh. that,
1: that's interesting, because that's one of those uh, ones that they talk about quite frequently, Christians. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Relating it to Jesus, which is completely off the wall when it comes to what Isaiah is really trying to say here and the reason why I bring it up is because this particular these particular verses that I read are read um, as the haftarah for the parsha ki tavo, which we read in Deuteronomy later in the book of Deuteronomy in Devarim and it's and ki tavo is the parsha where um, you have the priests being split between two mountains, between Mount Eval and Mount Gerizim. And we have both the blessings and the curses read, where it's said that, you know, you shall keep the Torah, and this is what's going to happen. These will be the blessings that will happen if you keep the Torah, and these will be the curses or the calamities that will take place if you don't keep the Torah. Right. And, and this is the Haftor- Torah that's read. And what it's really trying to say, I just want to to re- read it in the Hebrew at least verse three, which I read, and nations shall walk by your light, kings by your shining radiance. So it's vahalchu goyim Orech umalachim zarchach. It's so the 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 word that I wanted to emphasize was that word Linoga, which usually is translated as radiance or brilliance. And the reason why I wanted to bring it up is because Noga is something that we see as it relates to Kabbalah as well. And I might have mentioned it on a previous show when we've talked about Ezekiel, Ezekiel one and the vision he has of what we call the Merkava, the chariot, the divine chariot. And there are different words that are used in in Ezekiel's vision, like whirlwind and cloud and so forth. And and one of the things that is spoken of is the Noga, the Klipa Noga, So we're going to just put that aside. I just wanted to sort of read that as an introduction to this idea of uh, light and the idea of the clipote and talking a little bit more about that so that people understand what that is. Sometimes here on the show, you and I discuss things and I notice that, you know, I may use terms and think that I'm explaining them well, but it may be a term that, that we've never gone into in detail so that people really understand what a klipa is. What does that mean? And when we're right. talking about klipot, when we're talking about the sitra achra, when we're talking about the other side, for instance, what do those things mean? So I thought we we might go into a little bit more depth, but just as it relates back to that verse that I'm talking about, where those verses from Isaiah, really what it's talking about in is, is bringing an understanding that at some point Because the Jewish people were in exile, because obviously they were not keeping the Torah the way they were told to in Deuteronomy, in that Parsha Kitavo, that they were basically sitting in darkness, that this was uh, Isaiah coming with a message uh, that you've been sitting in darkness, Yerushalayim, and all of Israel, but now arise because the light has come and is dawning upon you. This is talking about the light of redemption. This is talking about a time when Hashem is going to come. And because he made a covenant, he's going to shine upon his people and and bring redemption. And everything that we talk about on the show really is geared towards that. The whole idea to open up and to understand some of these terms and to understand the concepts that we're talking about really is about us getting a better understanding of how to participate in bringing this redemption. And that's why I'm bringing that now. The thing is that during Hanukkah, it, it's not a matter of just lighting the Hanukkah candles. So we light the candles and we say the blessings that are supposed to be said about them. Really, you find that that you, you can't just walk away. You really have to kind of sit there and you have to stare at the lights. You have to look at the light and you have to, you have to understand that it has incredible relevance to us outside of the physical world you know when we talk numbers for instance when we talk gematria uh, 7 the number 7 is usually related to the physical world but 8 is beyond nature is talking about going beyond you know what we what we see in the physical realm and hanukkah is what 8 nights so we light 8 candles so we're talking about this idea of transcendence even though it's a holiday that is not spoken about in the Torah, but it's it's a uh, it's not something that was invented. We know that there are the concept of Hanukkah is about dedication. It's it's memorializing the idea that a, a transcendence of the physical to the spiritual, but in the physical realm, a transcendence of Greek culture and and Greek philosophy that was sort of overtaking the world and. Overcoming that because um, you know the Greeks were coming in and trying to get the Jewish people to stop doing things, stop keeping Shabbat, stop doing circumcision, stop doing all the things that were signs that the Jewish people had a covenant relationship with something outside of the physical realm, and and the Greeks represented physicality more than anything else. I mean, you know, if you think about it, the Greeks spent you know, most of their focus on the human body, on the human image, on physicality. Uh, you know, most of uh, Greek uh, art. You see that the the their focus on the naked body, for instance. Um, even in the Olympics, the first Olympics, um, it was said that they used to participate naked because everything was about the physique and the human body. So, so there there's a great distinction between two. The, the, So now I just want to, with kind of giving that introduction, we know that we talk often about the fact that God is good and and the nature of Hashem, the nature of God, is to do good. And so then you have to ask your question when you're talking about physicality and spirituality and all these things, and if things are so wonderful and we have this ability to transcend, then what's the deal with the idea of creating evil? Uh, And and I mentioned that on on a previous show, just in the last couple of weeks, that you have to make a distinction when we're talking about the introduction of evil into the world, that the creation of evil was not the actualization of evil, but the potential for evil. In other words, by Hashem allowing evil to exist, there was only the potential for evil, but the actualization where evil actually took place only came about as a result of the creation of man. So there are many different classic Jewish philosophical answers to questions about, you know, this idea of evil. And, and it really, it comes down to the idea that we were given free will. And because we're given free will, you could say we sort of been placed into this arena of free choice or free will, we have to make an effort to make a choice between those. And that's where I'm talking about that idea of actualization. And so we see that the reward for that, the reward for um, making the choice, in other words, making the right choice and not sinning is... The Alam is the world to come. We don't see it in this world. So that's, again, this idea of transcending this physical world. And, and this is where we make another distinction between um, how we're made up. So we talk about the creation of human beings, but where when we talk about dualities all the time, you and I talk about dualities, we have to keep in mind that we're both physical and spiritual. In other words, we're made up of a body, a physical body that has bones and sinew and muscle and uh, arteries and veins and all of those things and blood, that's physicality, but we're also we also have a soul. And and that's what separates us because the soul basks in the light of the divine presence of God, in other words the shekhinah. And the, the body doesn't, the body is basically I think sometimes people don't realize and understand. So most people do. Most people that at least are following Hashem or connected to Torah, the Jewish people that study the Torah and so forth, understand the difference. But I think a lot of people in, in a worldly sense, in a physical sense, don't understand that it's really the, the body that receives its power and a vitality from the soul, not the other way around. Okay, the soul doesn't receive vitality from the body, so that when somebody says, uh, when somebody says what happens when you die, I say to them, What do you mean? Nothing happens when you die. Oh, how, how can you say something like that? You die, you're buried, whatever. Oh yeah, my body may be buried, but my soul continues to live on because my soul is eternal. So so that, that's the the first thing that I want to bring out in this sort of introduction and give people an understanding that it's really our mission in this world to stare through the pitfalls and the temptations of this world, and the way we do that is through adherence to the instructions that were given to us, uh, whether we're Jewish or non-Jewish, as it relates to the instructions that God gave for the way the world should be. That's the Torah. So we're gonna have to go to a break, but when we come back, we're gonna continue our discussion and hopefully uh, make more sense out of this whole thing. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Shalom everybody. Making a difference often takes just one moment and one person at a time. I'm Orly Benny Davis, your show host on Israel
4: News Talk Radios from Jerusalem with love. You'll be hearing people talking about politics, religion, social issues, and making a better tomorrow.
1: Join me, Orly Benny Davis, for God and Country from Jerusalem with love.
3: Wednesdays on Israel News Talk Radio.
0: Welcome back to Science of Kabbalah with Rabbi Yitzchak Michaelson and William Hall here on Israel News Talk Radio.
2: Welcome back to Israel News Talk Radio here on <laughs> here on the Science of Kabbalah. Hey, let's go with that. No, why not? So uh, as we're getting into all this fun and enlightening, enlightening stuff about the uh, Hanukkah, even and the you know uh, the the. The Torah was looked upon as light, as or, right? Mm-hmm. Or so. It's kind of a neat little blend in. Um, so the seed of darkness, right? Yes. How, how, just out of curiosity, how was the seed of darkness even possible if there was nothing but light to begin with?
1: All right. So when you say the seed of darkness, again, are we talking about this potential for evil because, again, yeah. remember, I'm saying that there's a there's a potential of evil that had to be introduced in order for us to have free choice. It doesn't mean that evil was actualized. So when you say the seed of darkness, you, you have to be more specific about that.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. So the, um, in essence, the putting in of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was almost like... Um, Hashem's, not, uh, forgive me for using this word, but to, to give us a temptation so that we can have a choice. Because before it was just nothing but do this and you do that. You have robots, you know, uh, for Hashem. And so it almost seems like that putting the tree there and saying don't touch it was necessary to, to trigger humanity to, hey, you do have a choice. Now, I still want you to choose good, right. but you can choose evil if you want to, but... At least now I know, you know, you're not just in this robotic relationship. You're choosing me over the tree, or something like that.
1: Right. So when you talk about the the knowledge of the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of course we know that both existed in it. That's the whole point. The whole point of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is that good and evil both existed in that tree at the same time, and that's why Hashem said, "Don't eat of that tree." Now, you could say that he he might have implied, "Don't eat of that tree yet." meaning that we know that part of the whole creation story is that this took place on the era of Shabbat on Friday afternoon and that when Shabbat had come in that there would, or after Shabbat, there would have been the potential for them to have eaten from that tree. Now, we've also posited on this show that both trees were exactly the same, that the, the tree of the life and the tree of the knowledge of good were actually in the center of the garden. That's, that's a whole nother... Um, we don't have time to really go into that, but that's a very interesting... Uh, kind of wrench that you throw into the whole discussion as well. So sure. think about it. The knowledge of good, good and evil. The good and evil, um, in a sense, didn't exist together in in one form or one entity until after they ate of the tree. So it, what what happens after they eat from the tree? It says that Adam knew his wife and and as a result they had a child, right? and yeah. that's so that's the first time that good and evil existed in a human being in in the offspring of Adam and Chava, because they now partook of good and evil before that we said that they were they were totally spiritual beings they had no physicality in a sense they themselves could be seen as beings of light when you're talking in terms of light you could say that their their bodies were translucent so to speak you know, we were talking about science projects before at the beginning of the show. They, they used to have that uh, model that you could get of the physical body that was plastic and it was see-through so that you could see all the, the, the muscles and the sinews and the bones and things like that. You could kind of say that it was like that, that they were translucent in that way. And so, yes, it was as a result of eating from that tree. And and you have to say that nothing was a mistake. So when you ask that question, it's it's always a very good question But yes, of course, everything had to happen the way it was meant to happen. So you could say that, oh, they sinned. And if they didn't sin, this would have happened. Well, it had to happen that way. Uh, Everything was put in motion to, to happen the way it happened. But again, like we said, it's very, very important for people to understand that there's a vast difference between the potential for evil and the actualization of evil. Evil did not exist until they made that choice. So, so that's how, if you're going to use a term like the seed of darkness and say that the seed of darkness came in, and how could that come in when you're talking about light, then you get into, you could get into the idea of the Shvirat kelim, the idea of the shattering of the vessels, Okay, which is sort of an intense subject. I think we've talked about it before on the show. I don't know that we've gone really into detail. So that when you're talking about the concept of tzimtzum, when we talk about this idea of the constriction or contraction. We also have to make the distinction that when we're talking about the constriction or contraction and this idea of simsum, we can never say that it was Hashem that God contracted. That, that's, that's not what we're saying. When you talk about simsum, it's talking about the or-ein-sof, the light of the infinite. So the light that existed from Hashem, this infinite light, where we say that nothing else could exist because there was only light. So that's the constriction or the contraction that took place in order to bring into being the worlds. And then we say what happened was that in this, so when this uh, light came into a center point, um, what the Kabbalah explains is that a kav, K-A-V, kav, like a line or a thread came in. And this line or thread of light is what, sort of shot down and this is what created the worlds when we talk about the worlds we're talking about the spiritual worlds that we talk about atzilut where we talk about often on the show atzilut being at the level, level of keter of the level, level, level of crown and then we have the worlds below it of uh, briah and yetzirah and Asiyah, below that so those worlds took shape. And then what we have is the creation of the spherot, the spherot being those attributes that we talk about, Keter, Chochma, Bina, Chesed, Givrah, and so on, going down. So what happens is, originally, it was said that all of those spherot were in a straight line, right? And so the light's coming down, the light's coming down. What ended up happening is, and again, this is not a mistake either when we talk about these things, the vessels were incapable of holding the light. The light that was produced in these vessels that came down, that then became the spheroid that we're talking about, could not contain the light of the orient Soph, and they they shattered. They broke apart. And what happened was, A good amount of that light returned to its source, but not all of it. And so what ended up happening was you had shards, shards of those vessels that fell. And the shards of those vessels contain in them sparks. And they have sparks of both. They have sparks of, you could say they have both good sparks and evil sparks in them, in those shards, because of the potentiality of evil that existed. So, so this again is you know we're going back to this idea of the good and evil and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and so forth. What it exists in man, the 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 potential for both good and evil and the choice, and then this in the idea of these shards or these vessels that shattered. So now, when you bring that into the mix, this is everything that we're trying to do in saying we want to partner in a way with Hashem to bring redemption. So in a Kabbalistic sense, it's all about now extracting the sparks of the divine from those shards and raising them back up to their source. And you could say, in essence, that because each one of us has a divine soul, that we we have both the spark of the divine, but we also have um, from those shards, the potential for evil as well within us. So everything is about that. So, so this is where one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this today, and I'm glad you asked the way you asked it because it gives me the idea to bring this up. So I say this often on the show. I talk about the idea that we all have a divine soul. And, and one of the things that I get asked often is this idea, well, what is Judaism? Doesn't Judaism teach that Jews have a better soul than, than Gentiles do? And a lot of that comes from a, a particular section of the Tanya, the Tanya, which was written by one of the, the, um, the rabbis of Lubavitch, you know, of Chabad. So the Tanya talks about the different levels of soul. Now... The only way that I can explain that is because most of the people like anything. Like somebody sent me a message today about uh, a, f- a friend um, not believing in the oral Torah. Uh, and, and yet this person is a an Noahide and they go to a Jewish community and they have the kids in a Jewish day school and and used a specific couple of verses from the Talmud to say that this is why they don't believe in it because the Talmud says this. And the only answer that I can ever give to that is, well, first of all, I'm sure that this person doesn't understand the concept of what rabbinic argumentation is like when we're talking about the Gemara, when we're talking about the, the rabbis giving opinions on the Mishnah, which is the law, and then and then having a dispute, and then bringing different opinions about it. I said, that's the first thing. And it reminds me, it's it's the same kind of thing, so that when people look at the Tanya, And they say, oh, that says that. It says that the Jews are better than us. And the Jews have a divine soul and we don't. First of all, it's a misinterpretation of what the Tanya is saying. Because really what the Tanya is saying there, and I'm not an expert on this. So if somebody's listening to this and they have the sheet of Chabad and, you know, they understand this better than me. I'd be very happy if you you send me something and correct me on this. But I would say, from my understanding of what the Tanya is saying, the Tanya is not talking about the distinction between the Jew and the Gentile. The Tanya there is really talking about how a Jew is supposed to serve Hashem, and it's really talking to a Jewish audience. So while it mentions the non-Jew in sort of passing, it's not focusing on the non-Jew there. It's focusing on the Jew. So... Um, so that's that's a very important distinction that has to be made about that. We're going to have to go to a break, William, when we come back in the final segment. Hopefully we'll be able to tie a bunch of these things together and make sense of <laughs> uh, all the ramblings that we've had on the show today. So stay with us. We'll be right back here on The Science of Kabbalah on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com.
3: You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio, this is
1: Shai
2: Benteco, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany is but a memory, but in its place, the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel. Phantom Nation, every Monday. Hi, I'm Rabbi David Aaron. The soul basics are the most profound, profound,
0: Welcome back to Science of Kabbalah with Rabbi Yitzchak Michelson and William Hall here on Israel News Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back to our final segment here on the Science of Kabbalah. So we've been talking about a lot of different things today and I'm glad you asked the question. Hopefully answer it and and really elaborate on that misunderstanding that I think that people have. And I want to focus on that a little bit on the idea that although there are sort of differences we would... And I've said this before, that from my perspective, that when we're talking about the difference between Jews and non-Jews, or and I, and I hate using these terms, um, this idea of Jews and Gentiles, or that word goyim. William and I were talking about this off the air, and I was saying, and I want to say this now, that one of the things that I see, even the term goyim, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. We have the word goy in the Torah, as a matter of fact, goi is a word that's used related to Israel as well, because Israel was a nation. As a matter of fact, we're called to be kingdom of priests and a holy nation, a goi kadosh. So this idea of goyim having a, a negative connotation really bothers me. And what I was telling William was the idea that from my perspective, that the, the negative connotation that exists related to that word goyim came about as a result of the invention of Christianity and specifically the invention of Christianity, which was invented by Paul and not by Jesus or not by anybody else. It was, it was Paul who invented it. And it was some of the negative use that he used where he tried to blur the lines um, between peoples that caused the Jewish people to sort of Rise up, and because of all the persecution that took place as a result of Christianity against the Jewish people, the Jewish people, specifically our rabbis and our sages, built uh, higher fences and thicker walls to really make a distinction between Jews and Gentiles. And and one of the things that bothers me is that we have all these terms that um, that really do describe the person who's a foreigner or the person who's not Jewish in the Torah or in the Tanakh, where we have terms like ger or nochri. um, And sometimes those are not used to describe people today because, you know, we we get into the whole idea of, you know, is there a ger today? And then we have this idea of a ger is really a ger tzedek um, related to, you know, being a convert and we got into these whole big William William and I are very aware of some of the battles that took place because we were sort of both of us on the front lines of the whole gear battle that took place years ago um yeah. and Unfortunate. yeah unfortunately and and so i i see that being part of the problem that some of the terms uh became terms that are used for everybody. Just throw everybody in a box and everybody who's not Jewish, this is what they are. They're goyim, they're Gentiles. Um, And and the one that drives me craziest the most is the term akum. And akum being an acronym for those people that are idol worshipers, specifically workers of of those who, um, you know, worship the stars and constellations. That's what it's an acronym for. So that, it, it, it's even gotten to the point where when in our own sources we see the term akum used, that there are rabbis that say, oh, that's talking about the Gentiles, that's talking about non-Jews. That drives me out of my mind because it, it's not talking about all non-Jews. It's talking about people who are worshippers of constellations and stars, meaning that they're idol worshippers. So what do we do now when we have this entire group of people? thousands upon thousands of people that don't worship idols that say, I want to follow Hashem, I want to follow Torah, I want to be connected to the Jewish people. I say there's nothing wrong with that. And, I, and I'm saying all of that because I ended at the second segment that we did where I said that while there is the, there might be a distinction, meaning that there might be different obligations and responsibilities between a Jewish person and a non-Jewish person that I don't make a distinction between the souls that we were given. So that when we're talking about that shattering of the vessels and and those shards falling to the ground in a a metaphorical state, the idea of falling to the ground um, metaphorically And within those shards existing both good good and evil, and we're saying the whole idea of this idea of transcendence is now to take those sparks um, and raise them up, certainly the good sparks. So if, if I am part of a shard that just happened to be raised up within the Jewish people, but William is also a shard, and the good is extracted from the shard that William comes from, and he's being elevated as well because he's a guy that's that's left idolatry and he's following Hashem and he's following Torah and he's doing incredible work by drawing not only non-Jews to Hashem, but how many Jews have come back to Hashem as a result of your work on Tanakh, Tuk, for instance?
2: Well, I know that for me it was it was a struggle when I first left uh, the the Christian. Um, I'll call it the Christian faith, I, I just automatically felt and thought that, well, now I have no choice but to convert to Judaism since I'm rejecting Jesus now. Right. And, uh, so the, as the channel moved on, as uh, several years passed, and we kept you know pursuing questions and getting questions off and on and doing topic over topic on, you know, Ben Noach and, and the whole nine yards, I made the decision, my wife and I made the decision to remain as Ben Noach. Right. Um, and, and one of the bigger reasons for it is this I've talked to so many people who said that if they had come across my channel and they saw what I was doing on that channel they had thought that I was Jewish they wouldn't have even watched it they would have just skipped right over it. like another another Jewish person ridiculing Christianity mm-hmm. but because of where i come from it creates more of a an open door and a more of a welcome mat for christians to be able to come in and it's not such a harsh thing and so uh, over the years i have seen uh, and heard so many stories of even Jewish people who uh, were being tempted with Christianity and because the channel, they were able to refute and to stick to their home plate instead of uh, going off into idolatry as well. So it, it is it is very much a mixed population on the channel for sure. And it's been very helpful. And I, I would encourage other people to to be a light as well. I'm not shining my light in people's houses. I right. mean, people come to my channel. I don't go to them and say, here, watch this, you know, and the people are coming. And so and there's obviously a need for it and hunger for it. So my experience. With the other Noah Hyde aspects and the gear movement and all this other stuff, that was that was really, to me, it was almost dangerous because there's so many people out there who want to be the end all to, to knowledge and want to be the go to on seeing who's the biggest and baddest. And no one wants to share anybody else's work because they don't want their other, you know, it's just, it's, it's a big fight, you know, mm-hmm. on the battle of who's right and who's wrong. And so um, my, the best choice I had was just to stay out of it and just keep doing what I was doing. And I'm learning more and more as I go. Learned a lot from you and some others. And that's kind of where I'm at now. And I know that everybody that I've talked to, pretty much everybody that comes to the channel has encountered those same conversations and have found them incredibly, incredibly useful in determining their walk with Hashem.
1: Right. So this is, so this is the beauty of everything that we're talking about. Because when you're talking about this idea of light and you're talking about that idea of no God, this idea of brightness or brilliance, you could say that the greater the darkness and the stronger the forces of evil that exist, the brighter is the transformation of that darkness into brilliance, into light. And so when we're talking about from a Kabbalistic perspective, when I mentioned this idea of the klipa, klipa means literally a peel or a shell. So you can look at the klipa if you wanted to look at it in a physical sense, think of it as the peel of a fruit. So, you know, an orange... Um, has a peel around it, and the juice is retained in that orange because it has this protection around it. But when you eat the orange and you throw the peel away, away, the peel, um, like I said, is only there to preserve the fruit, and this is the same um, truth as it relates to the existence of evil. The existence of klipa, these shells or these peels, because we're talking about the also related to the shattering of the vessels. When you asked about the seed of darkness, stems from the outer will of Hashem, whereas Kedushah, holiness stems from the inner will of Hashem. So that's really that's a simple way of me explaining it. And I guess you know we're not going to have time today to go into that, but that might be a subject for us to really go into to understand the difference between those. You know, again, we're talking about dualities. Now, there is no duality with Hashem, but when we're talking about the Ratzo and the will of Hashem, there's this, there's this outer will of Hashem, which is the existence where the klipah come from, and like I said, the Kedusha or the holiness that comes from the inner will of Hashem, um, and this is this is where we get the difference between um, how Kabbalah. Divides everything in the world to either the Sitra, the *kedusha* the side of holiness, or the Citra *achra* the side of, of impurity or what we call the other side, um, the side of the *kliplah*. And there's nothing that's that is in between. So everything, every thought that we have, every everything that we say, every action that we take, um, as it relates to physicality and creation. has its source source either in kedusha, in holiness, or in Klippah, with these shells that we're talking about. And so that's what I really want people to focus on today, is this idea of understanding the difference between, that the difference that exists between us is one of physicality and not spirituality. And so that today, regardless of who you are, whether you're a Jew or a non-Jew, if you're connected to Hashem, if you're trying to connect the Torah, then you are, you are part of this um, transcendence. You're part of this theme of Hanukkah of elevating the light, bringing the sparks, extracting the good sparks out of these shards that are falling, fallen and elevating them back up to their source which is going to be the transcendence and which connects us to the Olam Habah, the world to come, and Judaism being one of the religions that says that all righteous of the nations have a place in the world to come, where we will have the ultimate Shabbat, the ultimate Hanukkah, the ultimate transcendence of light. Thank you for being with us each week here on the Science of Kabbalah.